1: Welcome everybody to another Baseball America podcast. I'm Connor Glassy and joining me this afternoon is my partner in crime, my words with friends competitor and my carpool buddy,
2: <laughs> Nathan Roddy. How are you doing, Nathan? I'm doing well, Connor, a little tired from uh, the uh, recent schedule, but uh, excited that we're looking at a new class of draft prospects.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's been a busy couple weeks for the two of us right after the 2011 draft wrapped up. The big summer events for the 2012 draft started. I went down to Fort Myers, Florida, June 16th to 19th for PG National, and then came back here and you and I tag-teamed USA Baseball Tournament of Stars. So let's jump into the
2: good stuff. Who were some of the players that stood out for you at TOS? Well, first and foremost, we finally got to see Lucas Giolito in action. You know, a big, broad-shouldered, six foot six, 230-pound right-hander from Southern California. Yep. He walks out on the mound, and immediately you're like, okay, Here's a guy. And, you know, he's got a very easy delivery, kind of lulls you to sleep. I know we've been saying that phrase quite a bit when trying to describe him because it's very just slow and deliberate. It's real slow. But when he releases the ball, it's on you quick. Because yes. not only does he have that long stride and extension from being a big guy, but he throws 92 to 95 and is up to 96.
1: Yeah, it actually, it you know, it – it looks plenty fast because of the velocity is obviously there. It looks a little faster though, just because he's so relaxed with that delivery.
2: Yeah, and he's gotten really comfortable with it, which is great. And it's an easy delivery too. There's not a ton of effort, right. which is good, you know, because you know there'll be less wear and tear on his body. But also at the same time, you're like, okay, well, he doesn't need a lot of effort because he's six foot six. But he's got a good curveball too. Uh, you know, it's a little inconsistent right now, uh, but it does have sharp break to it. Uh, and obviously, it's a power curveball coming from you know his strong arm. Uh, you didn't see it very much, but there is a mid '80s changeup in there yep. with uh, with some sync to it, which you know has the makings of being a good pitch. Absolutely, yeah. I, I would like to see him mix in that a little bit more, mm-hmm. and I
1: think I would like you know to speed it up just a little bit with the, the delivery, get a little, a little more rhythm tempo. In there. I think, yeah, yeah. yeah. But obviously, uh, he was a guy coming in that already had a name for himself. Um, went to high school with Austin Wilson mm-hmm. at Harvard Westlake there and was a known guy coming in, and he, he was really fun to watch. You're right.
2: He sure was. He definitely uh, did not disappoint. Uh, so he obviously jumped out uh, among the arms, and I know there's a few other guys that we'll get to. But as for the hitters, uh, I was real impressed with uh, some of the infielders, yep. uh, Gavin Cicchini, uh CJ Hinojosa, Rio Ruiz. Uh, those guys really stood out to me. Yeah. Uh, Gavin we've seen for a couple of years now because we yep. watched his brother, Garen, play. Uh, you know, leading up to him being picked by the Red Sox, but Gavin, uh, Gavin's a little bit of a different egg. Yes. Uh, you know, he's he's right, right. He's not the left-handed swinger that uh, Garen was. But Garen was, you know, kind of a big, broad-shouldered, you know, corner guy. Whereas Gavin is really lean and has a trim waist, and you know, he's a guy that you think is going to be able to stay up the middle. Yeah, you know, Gavin played shortstop in high school, but everybody knew, and even him said, Garen you know, played. or Garen, yeah. sorry, Garin, this is gonna reoccur, <laughs> I'm pretty sure. Uh, Garen played shortstop in high school, but yeah. even he was like, you know, I know when I get the pro ball, it's probably gonna be third base, maybe corner outfield, something like that. Whereas Gavin, you know, you like to think that he can stay at shortstop, but at uh, the very least, he's gonna probably be a second baseman because he's good defensively as well. Yeah, he's gonna um, stay up the middle, and but the the. Common thread they have is they can both hit. Yes, they can both absolutely rake. Uh, Garen uh, probably had a little more power uh, just because of his body type, but Gavin's got some pop. Oh yeah, but he can hit to all fields and he just hits line drives and just squares the ball up consistently. And we just saw him, you know, hit it all over the place, uh, the whole tournament of the stars and through trials and even yep. at uh, the Prospect Classic.
1: Yeah, that that was the funny thing is he uh, he hit one off. It was off the, the bull sign. But he didn't hit the bowl where you want a steak, and he didn't hit the grass where you want a
2: salad. He hit a cloud. And he said that's for cotton candy. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> which which also tells you the, the Chikini family is highly entertaining, and we'll have more on them uh, coming up this summer. We're going to finally do the Chikini family story. Yep. Uh, but uh, while Garen is uh, definitely the talker, uh, Gavin is the quiet yet very witty and funny guy. Yeah. Uh, his mom calls him Mr. Funny Man, so – he uh they're both a uh, a pleasure to talk to and definitely obviously watch on the baseball field. No,
1: no doubt. No doubt. Okay. So,
2: but uh Hinojosa, another guy that looks like he can stay up the middle. Uh you like to think he can stay at shortstop right now. Um he's got uh I don't want to, you know, use this as a comp because they're different players, but the body type for me is is kind of like what Philip Evans was. He's mm-hmm. not real tall. you know, he's probably 5'10, maybe 5'11. Um and he's got, you know, a strong lower half. I don't want to say thick cuz that, you know, it has a negative connotation to it. Um but it's not real lean, you know, kind of like Gavin is, but he's got good range, he's got good hands and he's got a strong strong arm from yeah. shortstop. So you like to think that, you know, he can stay at that position and he hits the all fields too. You know, yep. he got the first hit for the high schoolers in the prospect classic. He turned on a Ryan Stanick uh fastball yeah, which, he did. you know, smoked it down the line. You know, you, that's that's pretty good. So Absolutely. Yeah, he uh, And he's got some there. pop too for a guy his size. So he's definitely um an interesting one, but my my personal favorite I can't call him a cheese ball because he's just he's too high of a prospect and too much of a known entity. Uh, but Rio Ruiz, yeah. uh, not only is he uh, just a great kid, but he's just a tr- he's a good athlete. He's very strong. He's got those broad shoulders. There's some room to fill out. You know, play shortstop in high school. Probably gonna move to third base. Got a really strong arm. We saw him sitting 90 to 92 on the mound. We've mm-hmm. heard he's up to 94. He's got a good slider. So he's got some prospects there too. But he's yeah. like six one, maybe six two, 180 pounds with some room to fill out. But my my favorite thing is he's got really. Strong hands and forearms. I yes. know I've said it before, and I've told you, and then you witnessed it. The guy's got an eighty handshake.
1: Yeah, and you know it, it's really firm, and that's not just an indicator of hey, this kid's good at making a, a first strong impression. impression. But those strong hands—they translate. I mean, because that's what that's what scouts look for in hitters. Is they want those the strong hands.
2: The strong hands help you go the other way yep. because you can control the bat. It also helps with bat speed. Which you know is a very important factor for being able to hit and hit with power, uh so when you've got that strength, you know hitting uh hitting isn't easy, but it comes easier uh when you have you know that going for you, yeah, and he's got it, and there's definitely some pop in there, uh no you know he showed it in batting practice, but he kind of he hits line drives to all fields, which you know is a good. Uh, a good starting point for a high school guy. You know, we do like to see that. It's fun to see that light tower power, but not everybody has it. But if you don't have that power, we don't want to see you, you know, dropping back and just hitting long fly balls. You know, if you can't go, you know, to the light tower right now, hit it to the gaps, you know, hit Mm -hmm. those hard line drives because that power will come as you get stronger and, you know, learn your swing a little bit more. Uh, So he didn't really, uh, you know, crush the ball at turn at TOS or trials but he did show some things uh you know where you think it's in there. Sure, you know, he has a, a few kinks to work out in the swing maybe um but you know the overall package is certainly something to be excited about. Yeah, no doubt and he has that versatility that they're looking for when they're putting together a 20 man roster. Exactly. You know, he can jump on the mound and uh you know give you uh you know he might be that he might be a closer. You yeah. know, he might be that kind of that Lance McCullers mold where you've got your you know, your infielder that can hit and, uh, you know, play the field and then come in at the end of the game and shut somebody down with your with his power stuff.
1: Yep. All right. Well, I'm going to talk about a, a couple of guys that stood out for me. And, and, you know, all these guys are guys that stood out for both of us. We were just splitting it up. But um Lucas Sims on the mound was real impressive for me. I mean, he's a, a strong kid, 6'2", 195. And the fastball was firm. I mean, it, he's sitting 91-93, he touched 95 out there. Um And I think this is a guy that has the potential for three-plus pitches. I mean, he showed making – you know, it's inconsistent right now. needs to sharpen everything up, but it it looked like it was in there. He he showed a nice changeup and then a a real good curveball, 73, Mm -hmm. 76-mile-an-hour. You know, snapped off a a hammer curveball at times. Mm -hmm. So a couple other arms. Hunter Verant is a a left-hander from California. He's from Camarillo High School in California. Same high school as uh, Delman Young. Oh, I didn't. Okay, yeah, I didn't realize that. But he's uh, he's fascinating to me because this is a guy that's only been pitching for one year. Yeah, um, you know, and, and he's a left-hander that was eighty-nine to ninety-three, which is really good velocity for a left-hander, especially when you consider this is you know he's, he's very new to pitching.
2: Yeah, and he's still got the kind of a thin frame. He's got room to fill out. You know, we have that discussion and that argument as to whether Southern California and Florida and Texas pitchers are really projectable because they throw year-round already. But in terms of the body, you know, there is, you know, room for added strength, which maybe it won't lend to higher velocity. But at least, you know, you would like to think that he'll be able to maintain the velocity he has deeper into games rather than, you know, wearing out. Not that he did, because obviously we only saw him in a couple inning stints. But that's one of the things that you would hope for in that projection.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, this is a guy that is projectable just because he's new to pitching. Mm -hmm. You know, he's not your typical SoCal pitcher that's been pitching year-round since he's 12, you know? That is true, too. Um, But, yeah, he he was interesting. I talked to him um, down at PG, and he told me that he – really just likes to watch TV and model himself after pictures, and you could see that on the mound. He kind of had a, a Cliff Lee delivery, yeah. sort of where he kind of
2: sits back on that back leg. And, and it's uh, got that little twist to it, and yeah. kind of you know, the lean and the twist that, you know, I mean, if, if we say Cliff Lee, everybody knows what his delivery is like. yeah. And Varant is clearly modeling himself after that, and I think he had said that to you when you interviewed him. He right. said he brought up Cliff Lee as a guy he likes to watch, and then when we're sitting there, I, I can name three or four times <laughs> that he came out to pitch, and uh, a scout behind us said, look at that. Is that Cliff Lee? Yeah. So, obviously, it's working for him right now. And sure. he's got the stuff, too. He's he got the, the makings of the raw stuff. Yeah, it's not just the fastball. He he actually throws four different pitches already. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, so
1: just a fascinating guy for me, considering um, how, how relatively new he
2: is to pitching and the stuff that he's already showing. It's It's pretty – it's real impressive. It, it certainly is exciting, and I'm, I'm sure uh, UCLA loves that they got the verbal commitment from him but now are starting to sweat whether <laughs> he's actually going to end <laughs> up on campus or not. Yep, but that's yep. a long ways away. It is.
1: Uh, and, and one other arm that, that stood out for me at the event, you know, Samson and Verant, both those guys made the trials roster. This guy actually didn't, and it, w- it was kind of surprising for me because he's he's good. It's Jamie Callahan mm-hmm. from Dillon High School in in uh, South Carolina. Um but this is an, a right-handed pitcher, you know, 6'3", 195, nice thin frame, 89-92 um, fastball. He gets real good downhill movement on it and has some some good arm side run as well. Um, this is another guy that's, that's mixing in four pitches. I mean, he threw both a slider and a curveball, and then he threw a changeup, and, you know, those pitches were a little bit inconsistent for him, um, but they were better in his second outing at, at Tournament Stars. And, you know, this is a guy that He's young. I didn't realize this, but he doesn't even turn 17 until August 24th. So So he's still still 16 years old. Yeah, he'll turn 18 after the draft. I mean, to kind of put it in perspective, he he wasn't even born yet when O.J. was running from the cops, (laughs) which is crazy to think. It makes me feel old. It's probably going to make some of our listeners feel old, but uh, he's a baby. Mm -hmm. He's one of the younger kids in his class. So when you think about the stuff he already has um, with his frame and with how young he is,
2: that's something that scouts nice are, you know, looking at, and it's something that will certainly excite them. And I definitely, I, you know, I was a fan of both breaking balls. You know, yeah. the first time out, I was looking at my notes, and you know, I didn't see, uh, you know, a, an average or plus breaking ball, but the second time out, there was definitely a difference between the slider and the curve, and both flashed being, you know, good pitches, you yeah. know, the potential of being you know, above average. So yeah, and he admitted that his his stuff wasn't
1: quite as good the first time out. Mm-hmm. It, it was definitely sharper for him in his second outing there. But, yeah, you're right. They're, they're different pitches. They don't blend together like some kids do with if they try to throw two pitches that kind of both get slurvy. He definitely has the, you know, the big loopy 12-6 curveball mm-hmm. and then a sharper, harder slider. With, so some a- with the angle to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um. So, yeah, those were some guys that stood out for us at Tournament Stars. Backing up a little bit, I mentioned I went down to PG National, and there were a few guys I'd like to just point out down there uh, that weren't at Tournament stars. Stars. Um, McCullers, Lance McCullers, obviously, I'm going to kind of gloss over him because he kind of... Who's Lance McCullers? <laughs> exactly. He <laughs> came into this. He's like, you know, the most well-known prospect in his class, probably. His dad was a big leaguer. He's been on the map for a long time, and he was... I saw him pitch before he threw a varsity pitch. Right, right. We've been talking about Lance for a long time, so he kind of is going to just get... Swept under the rug a little bit to kind of shine the spotlight on some of these guys that aren't as well-known. Uh, but McCullers, real quick, was 94 to 97 with a really hard 84-87 slider. Just and another was, day at the office. Exactly. Just another day out there on the mound for Lance. But um, Taylor Cherry was a guy, another, you know, semi-well-known name coming in just because he's huge. He's six foot nine, <laughs> 260 pounds. I mean, this guy Looks like is a, a behemoth lineman. out there on the mound. Um the interesting thing about him, a lot of times when you see guys that are that big, there's either a lot of effort in the delivery or it's just very uncoordinated because they're still learning how to grow into that body. But this guy, he has great balance. Mm-hmm. He's effortless. And he was 91-92. He touched 94 but sat in that 91-92 range. So, you know, just zero effort. I mean, <laughs> you know, you think if he puts a little bit more oomph in it, maybe 94, 95, 96. Who knows? But uh, really impressive with that. It, it's a heavy fastball with a lot of life. Nobody was squaring this guy up. Um, his breaking ball, he calls this a uh, curveball, but it's a little slurvy right now because he kind of throws from a lower three-quarter arm slot. Mm-hmm. So, you know, maybe he'll switch over to a slider and, and utilize that arm slot a little better. But just real interesting because of the size and the fact that he has such good body control. Um, Carlos Correa is a shortstop from the Puerto Rican Baseball Academy. Um, the first thing you notice about him, he's got a great body. He's 6'3", 190 pounds, um, and he looks really smooth out there at shortstop. He's light on his feet, he has really good hands, and he has a strong arm. So, you know, the, the one thing that maybe concerns me is he's like a fringy runner. He's, he's maybe average, maybe a little bit below average as a runner. So, you know, maybe he doesn't stay at shortstop, but the actions and the arm strength are good enough that he's definitely going to get that chance. Mm-hmm. Whether or not, you know, how much he grows, will probably decide whether he'll have to move to third base or or something like that. But
2: it reminds me of uh, Giovanni Meyer a couple of years ago. You yeah. Know, everything about him said that, except for the run tool, said that he would stay at shortstop. Yeah. Now, obviously, with Gio Meyer, there's questions about the bat and this and that. But just from a purely defensive standpoint, the only thing that we were thinking about with Gio Meyer was the run tool whether yeah. that would you know hinder him from staying at short yeah. uh, and it seems to have not been a problem so far so maybe maybe that point is brought up with Carlos Correa
1: yeah i think so and i think correa might be a little bit more physical than than mm-hmm. gio was at that at that point but um uh you know he showed some exciting tools with the bat as well he gets extended well a uh, little bit raw at the plate you know but showed flashes of some power mm-hmm. so who knows? He, he's definitely going to be an interesting guy, and I'm really excited for you to see him later on in the summer when you go down to East Coast Pro. Sure. imagine he'll be there. Mm-hmm. Uh, two other guys, real quick. One is Rhett Weissman, um, an outfielder from Buckingham Brown and Nichols in, in Cambridge, Massachusetts, near Boston. And Rhett came, actually did come out to Tournament Stars. He was a Tournament Stars, but he didn't, he didn't perform so well out there. He,
2: no. you know – and that's a um, good example and I'll let you talk, you know, a little bit what you saw, but that, this is a good example as to why we go to so many events and you know, we do have our opinions on players, but we try to, you know, kind of level things off a little bit because you saw Brett Wiseman and you really liked him and you know, you're like, Nathan, you gotta watch this guy at Tournament of Stars and I saw him swing and miss about fifteen times yeah, in like he, three I think or he four went games. 0 for eleven.
1: In 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 tournament of stars and it was it was definitely a rough week for him, um, but you know what he's a northeast kid. Uh, I talked to a scout who was like, "Yeah, he he didn't look good down here, but he definitely has the tools." And you know you know who else didn't look good down here a couple years ago it was Mike Trout. Yeah,
2: Jonathan Singleton didn't look good at tournament right. of stars either. So that, and that's why we get these multiple looks. Like I'm not going to write. Rhett Weisman off. I'm gonna give you a hard time about it, <laughs> but I'm not gonna write him off because you know I'm gonna see him down the road and you know see if he comes around and you know maybe it was just a bad week for him because it was four games. Yeah, you know? yeah, Big exactly. leaguers have
1: bad, you know, bad stretches. You know what exactly. I mean? But like, the reason I really like Rhett Weisman and it's not just because he's about the nicest kid I've ever met. <laughs> it's because uh, you know he he's a young guy too. He was still 16 at PG National. He turned 17 actually the first day of Tournament of Stars, um, but he is 6'1", 195. He's chiseled. I mean, he's got a great body. Buckingham, Brown, and Nichols is a private school, and I thought it was more of an academic school, and it is, but I didn't realize that every student there ha- is required to play three sports every year. That's
2: interesting. It interesting. is.
1: It's it's fascinating. So he played football. Uh, he, I don't think he's going to play football this year. He's going to you know focus more on baseball, but he did football where he was – a wide receiver and a defensive back, putting his speed to use. And then he did weight training in the winter to get ready for baseball. So football, weight training, and baseball. This year, he's going to get a waiver for football. He's going to box, <laughs> um, which is <laughs> it awesome. Works on agility, which yeah, is Yeah, it works you know, agility. It works strength. Needs, you know, endurance. Speed. Exactly. So So um, he's a left-hand hitter with a great body, and he has a power-speed combination, and he's young. So I – I'm going to stick with Rhett Weissman, and I hope that you see him a little bit better down there at East Coast Pro. <laughs> um, so you'll you'll see what I saw, because he looked, he looked really good at PG. And then one other guy I want to throw out there real quick. I don't think players can really be sleepers when they're at some of these big events, but Nathan Kirby is a left-hander from James River High School in Midlothian, Virginia. And... He might be a little bit of a sleeper right now because he threw on the last day at PG when a bunch of scouts had already left. Mm-hmm. So there were, there were only a few guys left to see him, but he, he's 6'2", 185. He had a fastball 88 to 90 miles an hour um, with, with good life, and then flashed a nice slider between 78 and 82 miles an hour. So a good guy to keep an eye on, and it's actually a pretty good year, shaping up to be a pretty good year in Virginia. So... We we might have to drive up and see him this spring.
2: It's not far. Midlothian's right outside of Richmond. James River is actually a a good program, one of the better programs in the state of Virginia. You know, Daniel Mars and Austin Stadler, uh, both at Wake Forest. And you can say what you want about where their careers have gone, but they came out of James River. And they were good, you know, college recruits at the time of being seniors. And so James River definitely has made a name for itself in terms of uh, baseball high school program.
1: Yeah. All right. Um so after after tournament stars, you know, they picked 40 players for trials mm-hmm. and they also had USA Baseball put on the first prospect classic which pitted the 18U trials team against the collegiate national team. Um, I mean, I love the idea. You know, the 18U team got blown out. I mean, it, the first game was 12 to 1, the second game was 8 to 1, but you have to look past the score in something like this and and i really thought it was a great idea and i'm excited to see it down the road what about you
2: absolutely you know i think it is a great idea and the scouts love it too like they don't care about the score because you know they get to see some of the best players in the country you know between the two rosters you had sixty two of the best players in the country on one field yep. playing against each other so not only do the college get you get to see the college guys but you also get to see the eighteen you guys Play against better competition, you know, that you're not going to see them play in the spring, probably. Uh, so, from that aspect, I think it, you know, is a great idea. Uh, and moving forward, too, like, the other thing is with the 18U team, a lot of those guys were on pitch counts, and they're rolling out a new pitcher every inning. So, yep. if that one pitcher comes out and has his bad inning, you know, that's the college team's score for the game. Yep. Whereas the college team, the pitchers were more on a rotation. So, you know, Ryan Stanek can come out and get into a groove and throw five, six, seven innings, uh, you know, against the 18U team. And Whereas they're kind of filtering right. guys in and out. And it can be hard to kind of get into a groove and really compete like that. So that's why you have to look beyond the score. But yeah, from absolutely. a pure showcase standpoint – I thought it was great. You know, we got to see some of the 18 you guys stand out against better competition, and we just simply got to see the college guys. And the college guys, you know, were facing good competition too. Yeah. Certainly, you know, the pitchers might have had an advantage facing inexperienced hitters, but they college hitters had to step in and face high school guys that are, you know, sitting in the low 90s, some touching the mid-90s. Yeah. I mean, you know, Lucas Giolito, he's not going to go to college. <laughs> you know, you're not going to see a guy like that very often. Uh, in the college game, you know, he's going to go straight into pro ball probably. Yeah. So, you know, it's good for the college guys, too, at the same time. Yeah, no, I think I think things would have been different if the 18U team
1: was on a rotation and, you know, you saw five innings of Gilito and then mm-hmm. five innings of Sims or whoever, you know, Absolutely. Ty Hensley, I mean, if, if they had, you know, the chance to, to work and get into more of a groove and, you know, show off what they got for five innings instead of just one. I think right. things would have been different. But the event as a whole just works on so many levels. I mean, from a from a scouting perspective, there's no event out there that is, you know, more of a replica of pro ball. Mm-hmm. There's, you know, other high school events, and there's obviously the summer college leagues, but there's nothing that, you know, combines Plans the
2: 17, 18-year-olds against the 20 to 21-year-olds. Yeah,
1: exactly. So I, I loved it from that perspective. And then, you know, from USA's perspective, it, it gives them – with the 18 new Trials roster, it gives them a great opportunity to kind of evaluate these guys and see, mm-hmm. okay, well, this is what this guy did against the college team. Gives us a better idea of how he's going to do when he's facing Cuba.
2: Exactly. So yep. I think it's a good idea, and I definitely hope that they bring it back. And I know that this, from a, a publicity standpoint and drawing fans to the stadium, the score is going to be a factor, but I hope people look beyond that because it was truly an enjoyable event, and, uh, we, you know, we got a lot out of it. Yeah, absolutely. We were talking with the, a couple
1: guys out there, a couple, you know, scouts and, and they were saying, you know, there might be between the two teams there might be 20 first rounders out there. Mm-hmm. Would you take the over or under on
2: that? I think I'll take the under. Just I think I would too. Just from the standpoint of it's uh it's July. Yeah. and the draft is in 11 months. Yeah. <laughs> and a lot can change between now and then. But, you know, if the draft were tomorrow, you know, it probably would be. 1st rounders on yep. that field between those two teams. Yep. Uh, so it, the talent's there, and, and there's no uh, there's no question about that. Yeah. Who stood out for you on the college national team? Well, I like Devin Marrero. I saw him in high school, uh, you know, and he had a he struggled a little bit his senior year, so he went off to college, uh, and you know he's kind of what we thought he would be. He's a smooth fielding shortstop. Uh, he's got an ability to hit. he has got a little bit of leverage in his swing. You like the body. Uh, so, you know, I'm a, definitely a, a big fan of his. You Me know, too. he's he's the college shortstop that he's going to go good because of what he offers. You know, you can't sit here and say he's going to be a perennial all star or, you know, really put a, an exact result on him, but he's a college shortstop that handles the position and handles the bat and shows some power. What more, do, do, what more do you want? You it's projection. And he looked real nice out there at shortstop. Absolutely. So he he definitely uh, jumped out to me. Um, I tell you what, I can watch Michael Lorenzen and Tyler Naquin throw all day. Yes. I mean yes. those guys have have absolute cannons. I uh, do. Naquin, I'd like a little better look at at the plate, but uh, defensively and in, in terms of speed, he looks you know very good. And certainly that's uh, some. Those are some good tools to uh, start working with. Um, but uh, Ryan Ryan Stanek was uh, every bit as advertised, and Michael Waka mm-hmm. holy cow, that changeup is good. I mean, yes. I've seen him on TV, and, you know, you can only get so much of a look on TV, but seeing him in person and sitting right behind the plate, uh, you know, the fastball is, you know, a good fastball, you know, sitting in the low 90s, and he's got the good frame. The yep. changeup is, it just disappears. It came as it, advertised. Exactly, you know, it's he's got the same arm speed, it's really deceptive, uh, but, even then the curveball's not bad yeah. it's not you can't forget about the curveball no. and just look for the changeup it's also a he good was, pitch he was so impressive and he he works fast too i mean really quick tempo which is awesome because you know as much as we love to go to the park we don't like to spend 4 hours watching one <laughs> game <laughs> so with uh, quick innings it's uh, it's really nice yep yep um of course Mark
1: Capel was there you know mm-hmm. him and him and Kevin Gossman both showed real good velocity uh, 92, 94 range. Um I think the strength of, of the college class is in the pitchers. There's some sure. there's some good arms. You know, there are definitely
2: some questions about the uh the hitting side of the college class, but I don't think there's any shortage of college pitchers. Right. You know, we saw some very good ones this weekend and we saw some we didn't see some. You yeah. know, some guys that are playing in the cape or taking the summer off or sure. You know, things things like that, excuse me. But yeah. uh, it definitely uh no shortage of uh good arms.
1: Yeah I think Two of the guys that, that I was hoping to see, Adam Brett Walker at Jacksonville and Victor Roach at Georgia Southern, they're, they're both up in the Cape. They weren't mm-hmm. with this team, but um, heard, you know, nothing but good things about those guys. and Big power. Yeah, big, big time power. And, and so Aaron Fitt, our college guy, is going to see them up in the Cape later on the summer. And, and lucky for us, um, you know, they both play at schools that that might come up here to North Carolina in the spring. Well, Georgia so.
2: Southern's in the Southern Conference, so we can head out to my alma mater, Elon University. There you go. And see them. Uh, I do believe Georgia Southern's coming up here this year because I think uh, Elon had to go down there okay. for uh, for the series. I could be wrong, uh, but then Adam Brett Walker, you know, hopefully, uh, you know, Jacksonville will make a make a swing through here at some point.
1: I hope so. I'm, I'm looking forward to see those guys. But
2: you know, even if even if they don't come up. We get to see Marcus Stroman all spring, and he was electric. He is nasty, man. He was up to 97 for us, uh, you know, for Team USA, and I think all but uh, two or three of the outs he's recorded with Team USA have come uh, via the strikeout. And obviously, you know, he's got a power arm with that kind of velocity on the fastball. Uh, But, you know, you and I always do the over-under on the first pitch (laughs) from a guy. And the first two pitches we had to ignore because we were looking for the fastball, and he was throwing a plus slider. Ooh, dirty! It just it dirty disappears, pitch. and yeah, it's yeah. He's he's really
1: good. <laughs> yes, he's gonna be fun to watch, and he's gonna be an interesting guy to kind of
2: track. Because Guys are gonna poo-poo the size. Yeah, you know, he's only he's listed at five foot nine, but he's strong. You know, so he's like 5'9", 180. He's probably about five eleven with his mohawk. <laughs> this is it, but you know, with the hat, I'm sure it presses it down a little bit, but um he uh yeah, he's just got a power arm. Can't and there is stuff. definitely some effort in there. You know, it's unless you're Dylan Bundy, if you're six foot or under, there's gonna be some effort, but it's not a ton, it's not really violent. Uh and it's just it just comes out of his hand easy, he's got a quick arm and just power, power stuff.
1: Yeah, yeah. What what are your early impressions of the 2012 draft class in general?
2: Well, obviously, I don't think it's as deep as 2011 was because uh, 2011 was, you know, in terms of projection, historic. You yeah. know, we saw a lot of, you know, potential come out of this draft. It was really deep. 2012, um, I think it's a really deep year for the high school class. Um, you know, you and I have been talking this to who's our n- number one's going to be. You know, not only do we not who know who the number one is, yet, we don't know who one through five or even five through ten is, right? You know, there's a lot of guys out there that have their name in the mix. You know, we could be talking about 20 guys for you know five to 10 spots. Yeah. So it's obviously a very deep class, and no one's really uh, completely separated themselves yet. Uh, and then on the college side, you know, it's going to be uh, pitching heavy. The the college hitters are looking kind of questionable. You know, last year we we're talking about. Kenny DeKroger, who is a good player, but he's not the top college hitter. Yeah, uh, you know, You're know, you talking about maybe Devin Morero, but, you know... Th- those guys that, I mentioned up in the Cape, I mean, right. those it, guys are going to be right up there. Exactly, so, I mean, you kind of, while we're struggling to find out who you know the top ten are for the high school guys, we're struggling to find out who is the college hitter, you know, or the top five. You know, we're trying to find names for that rather than whittle them out. So, yeah. I think that's... Uh, you know, going to be the interesting thing. But other than that, you know, it still looks like a, a good class again. Yep, yep, so. I agree.
1: And, you know, the thing about the high school side is th- this is just the tip of the iceberg. You know, at this point last year, we hadn't seen Taylor Guerrero or Jake Hager mm-hmm. or, you know, Larry Green or
2: Josh Bell. Right. I mean, somebody's going to pop up between yeah, now Yeah, there's always and guys spring, that, that pop so. up
1: later in the summer or in the spring. Um, So, you know, just, just keep following BaseballAmerica.com to – find out who those guys are, because, uh, you know, we're going to keep going out to these events. You're going to be at East Coast Pro, mm-hmm. I'm going out to Airy Codes, and then we're both going to uh, Under Armour. Right. We're going to so be in
2: Chicago in August, and then obviously, you know, you know, we'll see some stuff in the fall, and, you know, things are going to keep changing, and there's going to be new and good information. So yep. keep following us on Twitter and on Baseball America, and we'll uh, get as much info out there as we can.
1: Absolutely, yeah. So if you're listening and you want to read more about some of these draft prospects, make sure to check out Baseball America because it's a must-read for baseball fans from high school to the big leagues. Right now you can try four issues for just 4 bucks by visiting baseballamerica.com backslash MLBnetwork. So thanks, everybody, for listening. Thanks for the download. For Nathan Rohde, I'm Connor Glassy.